Hi, I'm Kenzie. And I'm Emily. And this is The Claw Crypt. Crack open a cold one with us. While we discuss everything true crime, mysteries, conspiracies, and much more. so weird i know okay <laughs> i'm used to being able to see your mic okay now it's just a little circle we have new sound foam <laughs> yes we do we've been messing with it for like an hour it's fine okay we're gonna talk about charles albright who is obsessed with eyeballs i hate anything to do with eyeballs i was just gonna say if you're squeamish about eyeballs maybe skip this episode <laughs> like if i'm watching a horror movie and like like Game of Thrones. I was watching the last episode of Game of Thrones the other day. I think it was yesterday. And when they pushed Clegane's eyes in, I was just like, ah! <laughs> like, that's just the one thing I cannot do is eyeballs. Well, I'll be fine. Too bad. <laughs> if I throw up on you, it's not my fault. You won't. It's okay. not that graphic. Okay, so Charles was born August 10th, 1933, in Armadillo. Armadillo? I wanted, I keep wanting to say Armadillo. It's not Armadillo, it's Armarillo. Okay, his biological parents put him in an orphanage right after birth, and I literally couldn't find anything on his biological parents. Like, it was a closed thing. Closed adoption yep. type of thing? Oh, so he's adopted? Yes. Okay. Uh, the couple that adopted him was Dell and Fred Albright. It sounds like he was adopted at about one month old, so, like, thankfully he wasn't in an orphanage for long because they're not that great of places back then. Well, they weren't that great of places back then at all. They probably still aren't. No. I don't even think there's many orphanages left. I think probably not. Yeah. Oh, his dad owned a grocery store and his mom was a teacher, but she became a stay-at-home mom after they adopted Charles. So, yeah. She's a full-time mommy. Okay, so he had some serious mommy issues. He was a mommy's boy, for sure, like, big time. But his mom was, like, really weird. She kept goats in the backyard because she thought goat's milk was healthier than, like, cow milk. Which it might be, but, like, I don't know. I've heard that it is, so maybe. But she kept goats in their yard. Did she suck right off the goat titty? I don't know. Because apparently that's a thing, too. That's weird. Yup. Yep. She was also very, very protective of him. And when he was less than a year old, he was chewing on a tape measure. So, like, oh. a, like a teething baby, pretty much. Like, you, they put everything Ow. in their mouths. Tape measures are sharp. Yeah. But as punishment, she locked him in a dark room. And when he did not want to sleep, she tied him to the bed. <laughs> oh. Yep. That's messed up. Yep. He never left the house. His mom wanted to keep him safe, and the home was the safest place. Once he got older and he wanted to leave their fenced-in yard so bad that he asked people walking by to lift him over the fence. His mom did not like this, and when it was time for him to go outside, she started tying him to the porch. What the fuck? Yep. He's not a dog. She was also a germaphobe. She made Charles change his clothes two to five times a day. She once caught Charles touching dog poop, and she brought him to the hospital's polio unit and forced him to stare at people in the iron lungs. 
and she told Charles that if he did not stay clean, this is where he would end up. What the fuck? She was also not shy about uh, her and Fred's sex life and Fred's sexual needs. She told Charles that his dad was greedy with sex and that he needed to not do that when he was older. Once he was a little bit older and he wanted to like go on dates, his mom would go to the restaurant with them and then she would call the girl's parents afterwards to let them know nothing R-rated happened. That's weird. Yeah, like not even a different table in the restaurant, like she like sat with them. That's fucking weird. I know. I don't like that, that makes me uncomfortable. His mom would also dress him up as a girl and make him play with dolls. Well, she must have wanted a girl. Yeah, but he was adopted. She could have chose a girl from the orphanage. This lady makes no sense. Uh Uh-huh. Charles had piano lessons every day and he was like a super fast learner. He even skipped two grades in elementary school. Like, he was a really, really, really smart guy, but he was sheltered as heck. So, you know, he had some social and mental issues. Understandable. But like education-wise, he was very smart. The next little segment I have is called Early Warnings of a Psychopath. Hmm. I like (laughs) it. (laughs) His family gave him a gun and taught him to hunt at a really young age. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but he loved shooting small animals just for fun. Like, all the time. He would do it as, like, a hobby. Who does this remind me of? Um. Jeffrey Dahmer. Is it? I'm pretty sure he used to. I think it's Jeffrey Dahmer. I think so. One of them. No. A lot of serial killers have, like, they go from, like, killing animals. And there was one that I remember reading about, and he was like, no, it was Richard Ramirez. Mm. He was, like, he would skin, like, animals, like, rabbits and stuff like that. And, no, yeah, it was Ramirez. I remember it was that one show that I was watching, uh, The Night Stalker or whatever. That's what I'm thinking of. Anyways. (laughs) Well, Charles became interested in taxidermy, and his parents enrolled him in a taxidermy school thing. It was said, Hmm. like, on the website it said it was a school, but I'm pretty sure it was just, like, a taxidermy class that, like, you could go to after school. Because he wasn't out of school at this point. Well, I mean, they had a taxidermy class in our school. In yeah, high school. So, so I think it was like some, a club or something that. Yeah, I think it was something like that. But he was doing this taxidermy thing, and once he was in the taxidermy school, Dell, his mom, would sit by Charles and watch him work on the small animals that he had shot. She even taught him how to use the tools. One thing she helped him with was using a scalpel to cut out the eyes of the animals. That's so weird. Yeah, but like, okay, so taxidermy, the eyeballs on all taxidermied all taxidized, taxidermied, I don't know what it is. All the dead animals you see hanging on walls have fake eyes because if they had their real eyes, they would rot out. Yeah, they decay. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, but that's probably where his obsession started. Probably. With the eyeballs. She also taught him how to skin animals and showed him to not go too deep. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. This does not and feel so like, right. This could be normal. I guess, like, yeah, this young, could be a usual young hobby. kids like to hunt. Okay, they're getting into taxidermy. That's fine. With him, like, now that like I know his full story, looking back on like his childhood, it's like creepy. Yeah, I can like I could see like if you're not careful with that kind of stuff with your kids, like I could see how it could turn them into a complete 
psycho. Yeah. There was a taxidermy shop near his home, and he would go there and stare at the fake eyeballs that he wanted to collect. He wanted to have, like, a collection of fake eyeballs. I mean, still, it could be a normal, weird hobby, but... Yeah. Okay. His family was not poor at all. They actually had a lot of money, but Dell did not like spending it. So instead of buying Charles the eyes he wanted for his taxidermy stuff, she told him to use old buttons from clothes. That's creepy. Yeah. Or if they didn't have buttons, she told them to sew the eyes shut. That's creepy, though. Yeah. I would not want to buy, like, a stuffed fish with a button eye. Actually, I... (laughs) <laughs> that might be kind of cute. It depends but on the button. Yeah. <laughs> he was caught stealing a few times, and when he was 13, he was arrested for aggravated assault. His mom just kind of ignored all these legal things and saw Charles as her perfect little angel. Hmm. Her mistake. Yep. Even with the creepy eye and taxidermy obsession, weirdo mom, and legal troubles, he still graduated at 15 years old. Damn. That's yeah. young. He was arrested again at 17 for armed robbery. He had two guns and did the classic, like, give me the register money type thing. Yeah. It's like the very, like, movie way of robbing someone. (laughs) Give me the money! Yeah. He spent a year in jail for that. Right when he got out of jail, he started college at Arkansas State Teacher College. He majored in pre-medical studies. Of course, he did great in school, but got almost straight A's in his human anatomy class. It's like, he did really good in all classes, but the human anatomy class, pretty much A plus, the whole thing. Anatomy's a fun class, though. I took anatomy and physiology in high school, and that was, like, that's why I'm where I am in my career right now. Oh, oh, I remember this next part. This part gets a little creepy. But uh, while he was in college, his friend broke up with a girlfriend, and Charles took old pictures of her that he had found in his friend's trash cut out her eyes, and then glued them on photos of his new girlfriend. The fuck? He also put eyes on the ceiling and toilet. What the fuck? Yeah, everyone laughed because they thought it was just a joke. (laughs) They were like, ha, Charles, you're being so funny. That's just weird. Yeah, no thank you. I mean, I can see it being a joke, but like... Why the toilet? Yeah. And on the ceiling. Probably because it's like, oh, she's watching you. Ew. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want somebody watching me while I'm taking a deuce. So while in college, she somehow convinced Betty Nestor to give him the master key to the entire school. With the keys, he went and stole some stuff out of an office. Just like normal office-y stuff. Nothing crazy. Okay. Once he was caught, he was expelled, but somehow he forged his diploma and used it to become a high school teacher. He taught at the school for two years until they found out and fired him. Two years, and they didn't know this guy didn't have a proper education to be a teacher. I was going to say, how does it take that long to find out somebody's faking their stuff? Like, aren't you supposed to go to school? Like, college to be a teacher? Mm Mm-hmm. So did he, like, fake that diploma, too, or just his high school diploma? Yeah, he went to the Arkansas State Teachers College. Okay. But then he took a lot of, like, medical classes. So I think that he wanted to teach, like like anatomy and like stuff like that. But then uh-huh. he also said that he was thinking about going back to school to become a surgeon, which has nothing to do with teaching. But I would again, not want him as my surgeon. Then again, you could use the classes that he had taken, like the human anatomy class and stuff like that, to help him get a degree as a surgeon. Because I'm sure some of the 
classes that he was taking are required to take for They make you take a lot of classes for medical stuff. Yeah. Okay, now we're moving on to, like, his after-college adult life. He met and married Dixie Austin. I have a tortoise named Dixie. (laughs) Dixie Normus. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the first name of my tortoise is Dixie, and the last name is Normus. My sister named it, so. Do what you will with that information. Mm -hmm. But anyways, he married Dixie in 1985, and they had one daughter. Uh, Dixie was paying all of the bills, pretty much, and buying all the groceries. She was, like, providing for the entire family. She's the man of the household. Yep. Charles took a job as a paper route guy, and he said it was so he could help Dixie with, like, money and bills and all that stuff, but he really just wanted to go see prostitutes. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. He ended up losing his job and moved his family back to Dallas, Texas. He was not a good worker at all. He went, like, he got a new job basically every three months. So he hopped jobs a lot. Mm-hmm. One day, he lied to his friend, and he said he was a professional painter. So his friend paid him $200 to paint his wife after a few weeks. To paint of, his wife? Yeah, like a portrait of his wife. Oh, I thought you meant, like, actually <laughs> paint her. I was like, no. What? <laughs> after a few weeks of waiting for the painting, his friend asked what was taking so long. Charles told him he was taking time to focus on a special feature. His eyes? Yeah, his friend was like, okay, can I come look at the progress? And when he went to go look at the painting that Charles had done, everything on it was done and perfect except for the eyes. It took him months to paint the eyes. Was it at least a good painting? (laughs) Probably not. He was well known in town and the church. He was very, very involved in the church and he even joined the choir. And the neighborhood softball team, which I didn't know neighborhoods had softball teams, but... Probably those, like, fancy small towns. Kind of like Sandlot. Mm-hmm. So everyone at this point thinks this guy is just amazing. He's not. No, he's not. Surprise, surprise. While he was in church, in the choir, he met a little girl who was also in the choir. Ooh, he no. got really creepy with this girl really fast. It started as like small things, like he would help her around at church, then he got to know the family, and the family was kind of struggling, so he would bring over like boxes of meat and stuff for them, like frozen meat. And then he was Santa for them one year, and... I mean, that could be a really wholesome thing, but if you're not a serial killer... He was 51 at this time. Mm. Yeah, he was 51. But Charles molested her in 1985. Charles went to court, pleaded guilty. He got 10 years probation. What? Yep. That's it? Yep. And this whole thing was kept very quiet. No one in the town knew, so everyone still thought he was this amazing guy. Even people that heard about it didn't believe it happened. They were like, no way Charles did that. Not sweet old Charles. That's disgusting. Mm Mm-hmm. That literally irks me. Okay, so I'm going to get into the victims. All of the victims were prostitutes or sex workers. Just a heads up. Uh, It's not, like, uncommon for serial killers. Well, it is really common for serial killers and killers in general to go after prostitutes because they think that the police won't look into it as much. They won't Mm -hmm. be missed and, like, oh, they don't have family and stuff like that, so they think they can get away with it. Jokes on them. Most of them probably do. Sadly, sometimes cops really don't look into murders like this. Yeah, that is true. I think it's gotten better than the last few years, though. But, like, like back then? Yeah, back then, no Nobody way. really paid attention. That's sad. 
Oh, they probably think it's a drug deal gone wrong or something like that. Or yeah, she was just a hooker, and yeah. Okay, so on December 13th, 1990, 35-year-old Mary Lou Pratt was found dead in only a t-shirt. Aww. She was covered in bruises, and a 44 caliber bullet was found in her head. Clearly, she had been beaten and killed somewhere else due to the lack of blood that was found at the scene. She worked out of the Star Motel along with another victim that we'll get to next. That's where, in the town, there's like a hotel that was known for having prostitutes in it, and a group of prostitutes or one prostitute would rent a room, and that's where they would do like, their work. Mm-hmm. It's safer that way, I guess, a little Kinda bit. Kind of like how they do in the movies. Yeah. A lot of times you see, like, pimps will rent out a room, and yeah. then, like, all the hookers are in there, and they have, like, these orgy parties. I don't know what kind of movies you're watching, but yeah. And, like, those weird, like, thriller movies, they usually <laughs> have scenes to do with that. Oh, there was a couple of them. I don't remember what they were, but... The autopsy revealed that she had needle tracks on her arms from drug use. She was a user? Yep. Sad. And they took note of all of her injuries and, of course, the bullet wound in her head. The thing that clearly stood out was uh, when the forensic pathologist opened her eyes to see what color they were, because they have to mark that down. (gasps) They were missing, weren't they? Yep, there's no eyes. Oh, my God, that would freak me the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, I'm done. I quit. Game over. When she was found, her eyes were closed, and Charles did it so carefully that her eyelids looked completely normal. Yeah, because I, I knew a guy that was up by my cabin and he was missing an eye and like his eyelid like indented in like you could tell there wasn't an eye there and they like Mm -hmm. sewed it shut yeah i'll get more into at the end i have some a little thing on other doctors talking about how he cut out the eyes and like how difficult it actually was but this is not something that investigators saw every day so they knew almost immediately that this was not going to be the first victim Sad. Yeah. Well, I mean, if something that gruesome, chances are he's going to do it again. Oh, yeah. That's just how the, how it goes. Yep. Susan Beth Peterson was found dead February 10th, 1991, on the same road as Mary. Beth was shot in the chest, head, and stomach, and like Mary, her eyeballs were carefully cut out and she was sexually assaulted. Sad. She was also killed in a different spot and then dumped on the side of the road. So pretty much the same exact thing that happened to Mary. Seeing a pattern here. Yep. Even though her body was found on the same road as Mary, it was in a different jurisdiction. Ooh. Luckily, in this case, the two teams of investigators worked together to catch the guy. That's unusual. Yeah, as I say, as we know, sometimes... Cops two, like their egos. Yep, two different teams are working on the same case. They see it as a race. They're like, who can finish I'm gonna it first? I'm going to solve it first. Yep. One thing that I didn't really agree with that they that both teams agreed on was not telling the press or public about the killings they said they didn't want to scare the killer off or make the public panic i Um, think they should have at least been like warning girls especially sex workers prostitutes gone missing yeah to like stay off the streets at night or like don't go out alone that kind of keep the public safe yeah or send out more patrol cars and stuff like that do something both Susan and Mary worked from the Star Motel and were longtime sex, sex workers. Uh, this made them believe that the killer was well known to the sex workers in the area. They were really picky about who they did their business with and because like they knew the dangers of their jobs, so it's not like they just accepted everyone. Like they were really 
smart about it, I guess. It's someone that they've seen before. And a lot of, um, later on we'll find out that a lot of um, prostitutes in the area actually do recognize this guy. Like a lot of them have stories about him and stuff. So they know who it is. He must have been like a regular or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Somehow the press heard that the bodies of two women had their faces mutilated. They didn't know the eyeball fact. It just said mutilated. Hmm. After that, investigators told women, mostly sex workers, to stay off the streets and keep, uh, yeah, they kept the missing eyeball detail a secret. Well, at least they said something. Yeah. After this, police got leads from the sex workers, which... See? That's why they should have released it, so they could have gotten people to give them information. Pretty much all of them were dead ends. Not all of them, but a lot of them were. That's typical, though, with a lot of cases. People make up their own stories. I'm doing a little, like, breakdown of what we know so far, because things change really quickly. (laughs) Who knew? Killers targeting sex workers. The eyes were removed by a person who really understood human anatomy. He liked his anatomy classes. Some big surgeons came out after the crime had been solved and said they probably couldn't remove an eye like he did and leave no marks or bruises on the eyelids. It is not common for doctors to remove eyes, so just about all doctors are not trained in it. They also knew both women had been shot in the head, sexually assaulted, and both had been killed in different locations. So if he wasn't a psychopath, he could have been a really good surgeon. Mm -hmm. Like if he had the right membranes in the brain, he would have been like a miracle worker. I mean, he was doing taxidermy at a really young age, so he's got, like, the... Really steady hands. Yeah. He's got the motions down. Police started driving around the Star Hotel, hoping to see something that would help them catch a killer. They found a sex worker with a huge cut on her forehead and neck. She was Veronica Rodriguez. Uh, She also worked from the Star Motel. The cut was done with an extremely thin blade, which is probably an exacto blade, because that seems to be his thing. We'll we'll hear more about that later. Hmm. The police stopped, and she's like, don't arrest me, someone just tried to kill me. She said the night before, she and another sex worker were going to have a threesome with this guy, and he drove them to a field. She was hit over the head with a gun and was knocked out. When she woke up, she saw the man shooting the other girl. Veronica got up and ran to a nearby house. It turns out she actually knew the person in this house, and that woman uh, that she saw die was Mary. Sad. Veronica was a longtime sex worker and a well-known liar to police. She would lie mm. and lie and lie to try to make them feel bad in hopes to not arrest her or give her another prostitution charge. So they probably didn't take her very seriously, did they? They did not. Ugh. See, that's why you don't lie to police, because it's going to come back on you. Yeah. A few days later, they saw Veronica in a semi with Axton Schindler, which Axton is a really cool name. That is a really cool name. I like that. They did it their... almost sounds like accident. Do you yeah. think he was an accident? Probably. <laughs> they did their usual police thing and ran his name and license and all that. And he had nothing but untra- unpaid traffic tickets. Veronica was screaming, saying, don't arrest him. He's the guy that saved me. So he was the guy that was in the house that she ran to, apparently. Mm-hmm. He denied this and said they were that he was just giving her a ride. They arrested Veronica for prostitution and Axton for unpaid traffic tickets. At the station, Veronica pleaded for someone to finally listen to her about the killer, but nobody did. Goddamn it, listen to the woman. Exactly. Shirley Williams was a maid at a different motel and did, she was a maid during the day, but then did sex work at night. Mm -hmm. I could not find her age for some reason. 
probably kept it on the DL. Yeah. But she was last seen wearing a yellow rain jacket, which remember that for later. That, I love that. The yellow rain jacket. That's <laughs> yeah. so, like, typical. It reminds me of the, uh, the girl on the salt container mm-hmm. with the yellow umbrella. It's a black umbrella, I'm pretty sure. She's wearing the yellow rain jacket, and it's a black umbrella. Yeah, I think so. Hang on. Isn't well, that pepper? What it reminds me of. No, it's salt. Oh, it is yellow. Yeah. Some of them, it's blue. Oh, it's a dress, not a rain jacket. I always thought it was a rain jacket. So did I. Mandela effect. Right? That's okay. what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> on March 19th, 1991, Shirley was found naked on a different road. Again, like the others, she was sexually assaulted, shot in the head, and killed somewhere else. And the biggest one, her eyes were missing. But the killer rushed this time and did a really sloppy job removing them. He even left a blade and a cut on her eyelid. Oh. Yeah. This is a huge clue for investigators because up until this point, they literally had no evidence at all. Like, there was nothing. But you can probably tell what kind of knife he used by the cut. Mm-hmm. And the blade was in it, so then you can figure out what brand of blade that is, and then you can say, oh, well, this was found on the victim. You have the same manufacturer of blades in your house type of a thing. <laughs> Charles, you done fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, good, but... Yeah. Also, Shirley was the first African-American victim, which when the first two people were white, like the white prostitutes were more cautious and the African-American ones were like, oh, more business for us type of a thing. Mm -hmm. Because they thought that he was after the white women. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Ted Bundy was really into uh, people with long brown hair. Girls with long brown hair because it looked like his ex-girlfriend. So a lot of times, like serial (sighs) killers are... I'd be they have fucked. a certain look. I'd be fucked if Bundy was still around. He's not. Well, my hair's purple right now, but... <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of killers have their, like, stereotype of people that they like. Oh, it's yeah. so weird, but it's a thing. Brenda White went to police to tell them about her near-death experience. She said that she was doing her sex work when she got into a station wagon with a middle-aged white man. The man had salt and pepper hair, so like gray and white hair, like he was Mm -hmm. old. The dude said that he knew of a place they could go, and she was like, no, I do my work here. She told the guy to let her out of the car, and then Brenda said he got very, very angry and screamed, there's going to be some pretty bad language here, but just a heads up. We're explicit anyways. If there's kids around, I would turn it off now. (laughs) Make him go away for two seconds. He screamed, quote, I hate whores. I'm going to kill all of you motherfucking whores. As loud as he could. Like, he was, like, angry screaming. Yeah. Oh. She pepper sprayed him and then ran off. Good for her. (laughs) She was like, uh, no. Bye. (laughs) Girl, bye. (laughs) That is when police was like, your story and description of this guy kind of matches up with that Veronica chick story. Hmm, so maybe f- we should listen to her. They finally believed her and brought her in to tell her story. About goddamn time. Yep. Uh, I just want to point out that this is an eyewitness from the first murder. They've had an eyewitness since day one, but they just haven't been listening to fucking idiots (laughs) literally day one this is why i hate detectives because like they're good at what they do when they actually give a shit Mm -hmm. but half the time they're just like yeah it's probably not legit we're not gonna pay attention to that and they're wrong or they just don't give a shit idiots 
do now, better. Now that police are taking Veronica seriously, they decided they're gonna look into Axton, because apparently she went to Axton's house after the whole thing happened. Yeah. And that was like the trucker that got arrested with her from before. The one that was an accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they type in the address to a computer, and guess what? Fred Albright, Charles's dad, was the property owner. <gasps> so like, boom, mic drop, there's a connection to Charles right away. But oh, no, shit. They ignored her, so they don't know until now. Oh my god. Yep. They also um, saw that Fred owned property on the road that the first two victims were found on. They were found very close to his property. So, mm. little suspicious. Even though Fred was dead at this point, they found out Charles kind of took over the properties. Mm. He has access to them. Clue, hint, hint. Yes. Maybe you should follow up on this. And a few weeks before they talked to Brenda and Veronica, the police got a call from an anonymous person. Uh, it was from a woman saying she used to date a guy named Charles Albright that used to keep exacto blades in his home and had a weird obsession with eyes. Clearly, this was Fred's son. Like, you would think that that would be the perfect exactly. evidence to go and check up in on him. Everything I'm guessing was, they didn't even give a shit, though. Everything was, like, clicking. Like, it, in place. Like, it was... All the pieces were fitting. They were solving the case. They're just terrible at puzzles. They just did it slowly, yes. I don't want to watch them do puzzles. It takes yep, them forever. Yeah, but because they didn't want to talk to Veronica, well, they didn't want to take her seriously, I guess, uh, they would have saved Susan and Shirley's life and Brenda from being attacked, but, you know. Like, I understand their point of view of not wanting to listen to what she has to say because she's, like, lied so much in the past, but you'd think you'd maybe kind of want to look into it because this is a little more serious well, than just sex work. And if Veronica got pulled over in a car with accident and she was like, oh, this is the guy that I, this is the house that I ran to, it was him that was in there, and he helped me. And then you have the anonymous caller saying, oh, it's Charles Albright. Okay, you type in Axon's address. Fred Albright owns it. You can put the anonymous caller and Veronica's story together and it narrows it down to one person. They could have, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> so they looked up Charles Albright and their fancy little investigator computer things and they found a mugshot. The mugshot uh, matched the description that Brenda and Veronica gave. Both women picked him out of a phono, photo lineup. A phono. <laughs> a phono lineup. What is a phono? So on March 22, 1991, at 2.30 a.m., police went to Charles' home, where him, Dixie, and their kid were sleeping. They did it SWAT team style. Ooh, so they went in and, like, kicked the door down, and they're, yeah. like, going through all the corners with their little, like, machine gun-type sniper things, and they broke the door down, threw in a flashbang, and then went room by room clearing the house until they found Charles and arrested him. They did the fancy sweep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It was so cool. Oh my god, I saw a TikTok the other day. It was like when your mom asks you to sweep the house and it was like a SWAT team going around the corner and then they start sweeping with the gun. <laughs> house is clear, mom. That night they interrogated Charles all night while his house was being searched. In the home they found woodworking blades. I don't exactly know what those are, but if you're a woodworker, I'm sure you do. I wonder if it's that like saw thing. I don't know. You know and my dad has this little saw. 
that he has Whoa. on like a table and then you feed it like keeps spinning and then you just like feed the wood through it and it trims it in half. When I was watching um, a documentary on this the first time that I heard about it, they did their cheesy reenactment of it and it showed these weird tools that had like two little points like this that was used for just like shaving little pieces of wood off at a time. Yeah. And like they looked like normal tools except for they had blades on the end and not screwdrivers. Like a carver. Yeah. Like a wood carver. They also found egg exacto blades, a copy of Grey's Anatomy, and a huge collection of true crime books. Oh, so he liked Grey's Anatomy. And true crime. Like, he could have been our buddy if he wasn't a psycho. Right? Um, <laughs> oh, he would have been my bestie if he wasn't a psycho. I love Grey's Anatomy and true crime. Exactly. Hence why we have a podcast. <laughs> While they were looking through his home, they found a secret compartment behind the fireplace mantle, which is such a movie thing. That really is. You move the mantle in the fireplace and, oh my gosh. It's, it's a, a secret, secret door. Yeah. <laughs> like, whoa. Uh, inside, they found a lot of guns. When ballistics were ran, none of the guns matched the bullets found in the victims. Now, mm. I know what you're thinking. No, where are the eyeballs? And we'll get to that at the way end. You know I wasn't thinking that, but now I am. <laughs> well, all the eyeballs are still missing. They haven't found those. But we'll get to that at the way, way, way end. And it might not end the way you want it to. But I'll talk about it at the end. Oh, no, you're making me nervous. Many women came forward once Charles's picture was released and said that he was a regular to a lot of them. Like, he was seen a lot at the motel and other sex work areas. Areas, yeah. <laughs> Police did not have a whole lot of evidence. What they did have was all circumstantial. But That's... they arrested him for the murder of Susan and Mary. They also tried charging him with another murder of a girl named Rhonda Bowie, who was another sex worker. She was found dead and stabbed at least 20 times, but... It... Were her eyeballs there? No. Or, yeah, they were. Like, so then it might not have been him. Yeah. It's probably some other psycho. Somehow, the charges for Susan, Mary, and Rhonda were all dropped due to lack of evidence, so he could only be charged with Shirley. Mm -hmm. So their case is not going good at all. God damn it. And then Veronica decided she was going to testify as a witness on the defense side. What? Yep. So on Charles' side? Yep. What? She, she said that she was coerced into picking Charles's photo from the lineup and that the man that killed Mary was not him. And that Axton dude was still saying that he never saved or even saw Veronica that night. What the actual yep. fuck? Is she like salty that the police wouldn't listen to her? So she's like, now fuck you guys. That makes no sense. You would think if you were, oh, maybe he like paid her. Maybe he's like, if you testify on my side, I'll like give you everything you want. I don't know. Maybe she was scared. She was like, I Maybe. don't want to be in this. I don't want to be on his, like, target list. Yeah. Because everyone knew the evidence wasn't strong, so she's probably like, oh my god, if he gets away with this... I'm dead. Yeah. They did forensic testing and found hairs on Mary and Shirley and Susan were microscopically similar to samples from Charles's pubic area. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's one way to do it. So they had a little bit of evidence. I'll break down the evidence that I'm reading and it'll show you how it goes into the court thing back then. Hairs were found in his vacuum that matched Shirley and the field that Charles was seen in by Veronica. They found a yellow rain jacket. Does he not empty out his vacuum? Apparently not. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe the hair got like wrapped up around the spinny thing on the bottom. True, sometimes dust does collect on the sides and it's hard to get out unless you go in and like scrub it. But they found a yellow rain jacket in that field, and hairs on the jacket match Charles's hair. 
Hmm. At the time, hair evidence is not where it is today, and it was not considered to be concrete evidence. Why? So the, the case is still almost completely circumstantial evidence. <laughs> you can talk about it in court, but it's kind of like a lie detector test these days. Like, it just, it's not, it's like hearsay. Yeah. Like, eyewitnesses, they don't really do a whole lot these nope. days. That's unfortunate. <laughs> December 18th, 1991, Charles was found guilty and got a life sentence for Shirley. Which, well, at least he got a life sentence. Yep. Uh, he was put in a psychiatric hospital where he still is today. Good. He still maintains his innocence and said he never even held a human eyeball. No one was charged with Mary or Susan's murder, and I couldn't find anything on Rhonda. So. They deserve more than that. Yep. Some still believe it was Axton. The defense basically blamed the murder on Axton, and Axton left town just before the trial. All that tied Axton to the murder was an empty 44 caliper bullet box found behind his home. It was outside, so if Charles followed Veronica to Axton's house... Maybe he took his bullets. He might have dropped the box, yeah. Or, yeah, dropped the box. And none of the sex workers recognized Axton. They all, like, most of them in that area that have worked there for a while knew who Charles was. Why are they fucking idiots like that? Yeah. Why would he do it? Yeah. What reason does he have? And he doesn't, like, have a thing for eyeballs. Some still believe it was Axton, but I will say, once Charles was arrested, no more eyeballless women were found. Hmm. What a coinky dink yep. And the eyeballs were never found. So what did he do with them? I don't know. Well, if you live somewhere in Dallas, Texas, you are probably near a jar of eyeballs and you just don't know it. I wonder if maybe he'd like throw them in the trap. What if he ate them? That's what I was thinking. I was like, what if he snacked on them? But like eyeball consistency can't be good. Like the texture. No, but I, I mean, Ugh. I'm sure people have done it before. Probably. Like, I don't know, people eat like cow tongue and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's not an eyeball, but still. That's like normal. Yeah. A lot of people eat cow tongue. I, I can't do it, but. No, I had a worker who kept telling me I should try cow tongue. I'm like, mm-mm. My boyfriend like, wants so to make cow tongue tacos. Ew. No, but I want to know what happened to these eyeballs. My guess is they were like a trophy to him. So I feel like he would have kept them. What if he has like a secret like compartment in his wall or something and there's just like a hidden stash of eyeballs in this house yeah. and somebody's living there with a stash of eyeballs hidden in the wall. Oh my god, how creepy would that be if they decide to renovate and then they knock like, down a wall? it on the wall and they find a jar of eyeballs. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, maybe they're in a bag. I don't know what they're in, but they find eyeballs. I'm assuming they'd be in a jar. You would put, yeah, you would think you'd put them in the jar with that, like, liquid that preserves things, like the mm -hmm. mad scientists use, and you see, and like, weird bones and I stuff in them. I was thinking about it, like, why eyeballs? That is so weird. I mean, like, I like eyes. Like, eyes are really pretty. Like, yeah. you know, you Eyes are like my favorite feature on myself. I have really pretty blue eyes. Yeah, like my I love my eyes. They're mm -hmm. really cool. But like I would not want to cut them out of somebody no. <laughs> and tape pictures of eyeballs in my bathroom. And your eyes see everything. Which makes it way more creepy. Did you know that your eyes are actually like upside down? So like everything you see like upside down? Huh. Your brain just like flip flops it to make it look right side up. But like yeah, your eyeballs are upside down. When babies are first born, does that mean everything's upside down to them? Because they, they don't, their brain can't comprehend it? Yeah. I don't know, maybe. I, I don't wonder know why they're crying all the time. Yeah, I'd cry too if my world was upside down. 
<laughs> and the world got flipped, turned upside down. <laughs> I was, I keep wanting to call him Charles Manson. Me too. And well, I was looking at Charles Manson, and then I found this other Charles guy, and I was like, oh, I'm doing him. It started off, I was doing Charles Manson, and then I was like, you know what? Charles Manson and the Manson family, there's so many people that go into it. There's so much to tell. I don't have time to type that up right now because, you know, we're, we're running a little behind on episodes. So, you know, we're a little last minute lately. Yeah. Usually have, we have a couple set aside to just post when we need to, and then, yeah. yeah. But I was like, there's no way I can get Charles Manson done, let alone edit it in time to post. And then I was like, oh, I'll do Ted Bundy because that's another, like, bigger one. Mm-hmm. Started him, and then I stumbled upon the Charles Albright guy, and I was like, mm, nope, we're doing this guy. And I'm still working on this Dorothea girl, and like, yeah. I'm gonna, I can't decide if I wanted to Nixium first or if I want to do the Giggling Granny first, because Nixium will probably be a couple parts because there's a lot. Um, Maybe. If you haven't heard of Nixium, it's a cult. Yeah. That's very messed up. But that's Charles Albright. And he's not Albright. No. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you did there. That was punny. In Armadillo, Texas. (laughs) I always relate armadillos to Texas. I think it's because of the Alamo. The Alamo also reminds me of armadillos. I don't know why. It just does. I don't even know what the Alamo is. You don't? Nope. It's that fancy building in Texas. My mom's been there a bunch of times. Here, I'll show you. She has a keychain with it on it. Oh. Cool. Yeah. Probably used to be like a castle. It's in Rio Grande Valley. It's nicknamed after the land of two summers. So instead of winter, they have two summers. Cool. I would love to. I in wish. Texas Just kidding. I don't want to live in Texas. Well. Hopefully that was enjoyable for you. I was pretty interested. Um, make sure you check out our TikTok. That's new. Um, we'll be posting on there. Remind me to show you how to log in before I leave. Yeah. And check out our Facebook and Instagram. All our social media is at the Clock Crypt or at the Clock Crypt Podcast. Um, if you have any, like, stories or suggestions on episodes or anything like that, you can either send us a message on our social medias or email us at theclawcrypt at gmail.com. And I think that's all I had for since the usuals. Goodbye. Okay, bye.